Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Other Side Podcast mission is to discuss important cultural and social issues relating to race, culture, gender, and equality. Hi, thanks for joining us for another episode of The Other Side Podcast. I'm Scott Kirk here with Lucas Sullivan, and this is the second part of our two-part interview with former Franklin County Auditor Clarence Mingo. One of the things that has come out about, there's a lot of racial discussions now because of what's going on you talked about. One of the things that happened in Virginia recently, the governor and the topic of blackface. Yeah. I'll be honest, whenever I see it, I'm just kind of like, you know, why would a white person ever pretend to be a black person and, and paint their face black? But where do you fall on this? Yeah, good question. Let me pick up your your first point. Why would a white person ever do that? A, it's unacceptable. Okay, I've, I've, I've already given my own history in, in, in race relations. So that behavior is unacceptable. But we should remember, just for context purposes, that this was only 22 years after the passage of the Civil Rights Act. Mm. And there were still Americans who, young in age, still believed behavior on that level, even in the mid 90s 1980s was tolerable. I know this because I went to school with people. I had friends and I was not allowed in their house. Right? I was their friend. We were on the baseball team, but was not allowed in their house because I was black. And at this time, African Americans just were not frequent flyers by way of relationship in, in homes like that. So the mid 80s, certainly not 2018 or 2019, if you will. But I would say this, we have to do two things on these issues. Number one, if I'm the governor of Virginia, I'm thinking of a sincere, contrite apology. I'm not making excuses. I'm not trying to downplay it. I am just owning up to the photo, the words around it, and simply acknowledging that this is unacceptable and I regret the photo and what it represents. I am sorry. Let's say that happens and it's sincere and it's genuine. I think the culture and we at large now have to decide whether or not the person in that photo is the same person today. Because over 35 years, people evolve in their character. They evolve in their understanding of culture and their appreciation of people, places, and things. So I don't know if he's the same man as he was in that photo, but I think that analysis has to be done because we already know we can condemn what's in that photo, but there might be something to celebrate in the fact that there's an individual whose character has transformed to reflect the best of us. I don't know if that's true, but I think we have to do that. Should, I think should what, he be able to stay in office while that determination is made? From a mood standpoint, I think the people of Virginia have to decide that, but I would think the people of this state, the people who have been around this individual, they have to know something about his character. I mean, this this is a this is a well-known public figure. There, there have to be people who are white, people who are black, and all shades in between. They must know something about his character. And if, in fact, he is not the same man, and we know this, that he is not the same man he was in that picture, we accept his apology, and then we can celebrate the transformation of his character, and, and he's got to continue living. And the, the people of Virginia, has to they have to determine whether or not he's still suited for public service. But because that photo exists, doesn't mean he's automatically disqualified for all time for doing significant things on behalf of the public. The second thing I want to point out about this is that we're talking about race and the Republican Party. This is a Democratic governor, right? This is a Democratic governor. There was a 
congresswoman from Minnesota who made racial statements about the Israeli state, Democrat, yeah. Somali-born, cultural from Somalia, Democrat. And, and so, had to apologize. And had to apologize. So my point is, is this racial thing, it, it is not, Scott and Lucas, it's not endemic only in the Republican Party. I'm not saying yeah. this, again, to be generic about it. but this They is, don't hold the patents on it for sure. No, this, yeah. is, this is part of the human condition. It is. And just because you have an R beside your name doesn't mean you're any more or less likely to be uh, racist. There are, let me see this, Lucas. There, okay, there, sir. there are many Democrats elected in office, and if their son or daughter brought home an African-American man or woman as their bride, they would have a problem with that. There are a lot of African-Americans, Democrats, who would have a problem with the reverse, and surely there are a lot of Republicans who would have the same you know, problem with, with that fact pattern. And so my point is, this is about the human condition and less about party affiliation. Even still, I will grant you, Scott, we have a lot of work to do in the GOP to really demonstrate that we don't carry that stripe. Do you feel that they listen to you or they just kind of when you take your concerns to the party or you make suggestions in terms of ways that the party could improve its relations? Do your fellow party members seem to take that seriously? I will say that the question to that is divided. I've got friends. If I mentioned their names, you would know who they were. Some are local, some are statewide, some are in the highest positions of power, and they do take this very seriously. I mean, they take it seriously beyond the politics. They care about the culture. There are other people who think, I am winning in my district, or I am winning in my county, and that is not an issue for me. My constituency is 95% white, or 95% rural, or you know, 85% this or that. So they evaluate it based on their political trajectory and political success. And then there are other people, again, I could mention some names, but they believe that this is an issue and we have to do better, not just because of blackness, but because every constituency in the state deserves the same measure of attention from this party. I also think African-Americans are not necessarily being well served by the Democrats in, in, in every instance. There are cities around this country that are led by African-American Democrats, and those cities and the populations are no better off financially, economically, racially, and otherwise than they were if they were led by predominantly white male Republicans. I think this yeah. gets back to... I mean, to be fair, on that point, this city had a black mayor for 16 years, and I mean, I hear all the time from people in all parts of the city who are minorities who don't feel that they benefited or their neighborhoods benefited that much. So, I mean, there is evidence that you're talking about on both sides that there's that feeling. And and if you talk to the layperson, I think it doesn't matter if they're Democrat or Republican. It's, you know, what have your actions shown me? That's true. And I think with the rise of social media, people are more vocal and more aware about these things. I'm simply saying this, that as an African-American and we as African-Americans, we have to demand more from both of these parties. I've already listed some things the Republican Party has to do. I mean, we, like we we absolutely have to get serious about how we're engaging minority constituencies, not for the vote, but just to understand them. We'll get to the vote, but let's just understand them. But both parties really need to get out of this around election time, bag of promises, get elected. Nothing really changes. Right. And as an African-American uh, in a city dominated by Democrats, I can't tell you that we are somehow infinitely better off because we've had African-Americans in elected offices. It's been helpful. But having a D beside your name does not inherently make you better able to lead or better able to, to craft the right policies. It's really the right person, and 
white, black, African-American or otherwise, is that's, that's what we need, just good people. And certainly have that in some measure in Franklin County and City of Columbus. So I want to talk about the Colin Kaepernick controversy, if that's what you want to call it. I've done some reading. In 2016, you wrote a editorial for the Washington Examiner where you basically laid out why you disagree with kneeling for the end. Yes. Yeah. You basically cite two main points, two main points that you disagree with. First, you say that feel that Kaepernick misappropriates the purpose of the flag. The second one is that you feel that this generation, I'm assuming including him, doesn't understand the difference between fighting for what America must be versus disrespecting those same ideas. And by that, I assume you mean the flag as an extension of that. Sure. So I disagree. But let's hash this out. Let's work this out because I want to see where you're coming from. So in terms of Kaepernick misappropriating the purpose of the flag, I would argue that the purpose of the flag is actually subjective, right? Some people, for them, the flag represents America or Americanism. For some people, it's a symbol of the ideals that America was built on. For some people, it's just a piece of cloth with some colors and some stripes on it. So I think that what the flag represents for you and what it represents for him are probably two different things. And both of those can be okay. I think when it comes to the kneeling, I've heard this argument a lot that it's an affront to the flag or to veterans or service members. I will argue this, whether you agree with his position, I think what he did was he took, because he has this platform, he made a political stand and he chose to do it during a sporting event. But I would argue, when has social activism ever been convenient? Like If he waited until the game went off, nobody would care. Nobody would watch. Nobody would hear the message. And it wasn't like he came out with a flag. He set it on fire. He ripped the flag up in a million pieces. He chose to kneel. So I don't necessarily understand how that equates to him disrespecting your service. And if people don't make people uncomfortable, how would social change ever happen? Yeah, so I think you, you summed up my perspective fairly well, Scott, but let's start here. It is not necessary to be openly and strongly disrespectful of symbols that mean a lot in significant ways to people. There are gold star mothers and fathers. These are people who've lost a child overseas serving in the armed forces. And my approach to those issues is simply this. If I know something by way of symbol is a value or mean something emotionally or culturally to someone, I am not going to disrespect that. I'm a Christian. We pray a certain way. I've been around my Islamic friends and they pray a certain way. And when I'm in their presence and they are praying in a submissive, respectful way, Mm -hmm. I acknowledge their practice of prayer and don't disrespect it. So I know that Kaepernick has the freedom to do what he wants, but I think the the better thing to do for the thousands of people who have passed away in the name of the flag and what it represents or the national anthem is is just be respectful of that moment for those people. And I, I know what he was trying to do, but we have to get away from this idea of disrespecting or walking on something that is of value or culturally significant to other people is somehow an appropriate form of protest. I don't see very little good come from that, more divisiveness than not. So watch where there's just be respectful of all things. A lot of other ways to, to launch protests doesn't have to be at a, at a point of, of culture or meaning for someone else. Second thing I would tell you this, I said I think Mr. Kaepernick maybe misappropriates the meaning of the flag or the national anthem. From my perspective, the flag, the national anthem, they are aspirational. They, they don't represent who we currently are. They are reminders of what we should be, what we must be. 
what what we are duty bound to become as a nation. And so the flag, the founding of the United States of America, the very writing of the national anthem, all aspirational, long way to go. And I agree with Kaepernick there, but I don't think as institutions they represent who we are present day. They didn't represent who we are in 1863 when the Emancipation Proclamation was made. I mean, aspirational. That proclamation itself aspirational, a reminder of who we are and what we must become, not what we are present day. So Kaepernick is right in terms of his cause. I think wrong in the way he went about it. Lastly, just by way of example, the Christian cross. Maybe you're not a Christian, but it probably would not be a good idea to throw crosses down and run your car over them and and protest Christianity. You know what? If you're a Oklahoma Sooner, right, you might not want to run out in the horseshoe, you know, and spit on, you know, uh, a Buckeye uh, just, just to demonstrate your dislike for the Iowa State Buckeyes. A little tongue-in-cheek there. I'm just saying there there is an appropriate way to, to express yourself, and it doesn't have to be through a dramatic, negative approach to something that is of value or significant to a population or to a particular community. Okay. Let me ask you, like, how do yes, you sir. respond to that? Well, I think that, and this is just my personal opinion, yep. I think that the flag is symbolic of something. I think people get too attached to the symbolism of a flag. It's almost like worshiping some idol or something. I'm not saying you personally, yeah, yep. but so that's that's just that. I mean, if people want to burn the flag, that's their right. In fact, people like you fought for people to have the right to do that. So I think if that's what he wants to do, that's fine. I think you can argue about whether that moment or that venue was was, was proper for him to do that which is my point that, that's okay. yeah that that's my but point. here's but, I, I okay just, so yeah. let me push back on that a little bit number one i get it people go to to a game or watch football because they want to be entertained and that's nice and that's very convenient but there are also people out here who are in some cases suffering at the hands of police abuse and i think that in order to draw attention to that sometimes you have to do things when one when you have a lot of eyeballs and number two people will always say well that you shouldn't have done it then uh, well if they hadn't have just done it that way or in other words it's basically like saying well it's, it wasn't convenient for me and I didn't really want you to impose on my entertainment with these very serious social problems that black guys have to deal with I'm not saying everyone felt that way but I think a lot of people felt that way and quite frankly I think that's very convenient and so I don't have a problem with him doing mm-hmm. that because I think it forced people to deal with the issue whether you agree with it or not or you believe in it or not at least it gained attention that if he had done it during halftime nobody would have known about it the other thing i think with offending people i think he chose a very i think if you were going to protest i think that's probably one of the most respectful ways you can do it because he really just knelt i mean he didn't he didn't come out with some banner some poster he didn't you know it, it was very it actually wasn't until the media kind of focused attention on it and then the president exacerbated that situation and then the nfl teams felt that they needed to respond that it kind of spiraled into to this big thing but I think initially he was just very quietly on the sidelines kind of doing this thing and I don't really think there's anything wrong with it. To that point just to follow up I mean you know Martin Luther King Jr. you know who is a revered figure in this country and will be as long as this country exists advocated for that type of non-violent protesting or a non-violent way of holding up a mirror to people mm-hmm. who inflict racism or harm on his people. Yep. And so, I mean, I don't know if you ask me, I would think that he, you know, he would probably agree that what Kaepernick did falls under that, yep. under his mission. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, res- respectfully to Dr. King and, and the legacy and the institution that he is, 
you know, I just think that, that there are some points that we just all have to be respectful of. The flag is draped over the fallen of America's coffin. The national anthem is played at, you know, very solemn times when, you know, United States Marine soldiers, airmen and the like come home from battle, sometimes disfigured, sometimes killed. Whether it's in that context or perhaps another context where something is happening that the moment, the time and the symbols are to be respected – I just think we all agree, hey, those things are off limits. What what we don't do is, you know, insult the range of things that have strong symbolism or strong meaning for people. There are a lot of religious symbols. There are a lot of personal national symbols to people. And there then outside of those things, there are a thousand other ways to protest. Kaepernick and I. Listen, I'm an African-American male. The cause he has been trying to champion, I'm totally for it. I completely appreciate it, and I think his voice has been needed at this time. We agree on that. I just would not have done it around that symbolism, the national anthem or the flag. I would have done it in that venue. No problem. No problem with that. Just would not have done it around that symbolism. And I think we all have to have some sort of checkpoint where we say, yep, protest and being outspoken, we need that. But there are limits and there are things we should not approximate as we protest and demonstrate and become vocal about the things that matter to us. I've had to check myself on some things that just would not be appropriate for me to go there. I have friends who are absolutely pro-life. They they are absolutely pro-life. I don't know that it's a good idea to, you know, uh, stand out in front of an abortion clinic and, and yell at, you know, young women as they go in that they're doomed going to hell and they're killing babies. Probably not the best time to do that out of respect for a person who's probably involved in something very emotional. I, I mean, I think even there we have to be appreciative of the emotional context and we can choose as a culture not to do something just because we respect the basic humanity or the symbolisms that reflect our form of humanity. I respect that. My brother, I would just like to add though the <laughs> national anthem thing is yeah. relatively new yes it has not it's not something that has always happened at in terms of games and my understanding is that initially it was started because the military was a sponsor of the NFL and so they kind of yeah. started doing this to it promote patriotism which is fine I say that only to say that at the end of the day it comes down to money and you know yeah 50 years ago nobody was thinking about the national anthem at a football game right. until the money came into the picture so i'm done you remember the 68 olympics right i was born 79 sorry Uh, 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 that's okay that's all right but 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 you've heard the the symbolism oh yeah 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 yeah. you know what totally fine with that right i mean these these, listen we have three african-american men winners in their own right bronze silver gold whatever the circumstances may have been that was their moment that was their moment they raised the fist as a reminder of what african-americans were experiencing in this very turbulent year 1968 i am totally fine with that i understand that i mean you know winning at the olympics a little different than but they did it during the national anthem they they did. They did. What no, I'm saying is that. No, well, no, hold on. No, hold on. What I'm talking about is their cause, Kaepernick. Completely appreciate what he's trying to champion. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you just I'm, don't like I, the method. Yeah, I don't like the method. The methods at that moment, like okay. Kaepernick is talking about something happening right now in the United States of America. African American men being killed. Circumstances are not always clear. Sometimes they're just flat out wrong. Right. He's talking about that, and I get it. It needs to be given expression in voice. Just fine. 1968, the Olympics. These three men caught the attention of the world over a critical issue. Probably wouldn't have done it at that time when United States servicemen were being killed in Vietnam while. The national anthem is being played. I mean, probably not the best context, but the cause was right. The moment was not, I guess is my point. Yeah. 
Spear. And just in closing for me, I mean, Mr. Mingo, Clarence is a you're a fascinating person. The fact that you've been able to kind of navigate this political, social, racial world, you know, given your background is yeah. is a fascinating story. And I know that people, you even said some things that will get people on every side of the aisle thinking. And I think that's what a good public servant does. Well, listen, Lucas, I, I don't have all the answers, but the last four years in particular, I, I can tell you I've grown as a person. I've grown politically, but also more as a person, and I'm checking myself, my own, my own thoughts, my own conduct, my own perspectives, and um, because the times in which we're living politically and socially, I think, demand that we simply be better. We, we have to be more than black, more than white, more than Republican, more than Democrat. We just have to be better, and that's an internal thing that starts with us versus looking at other people. Yeah, and we know that, Scott and I both know, you know, you're in another transition in your life, and hopefully next time we hit, we can have you back in your next, whatever that is. Do you know what it is? Uh, you know what? Let me say this. I'm, I'm working. You're going to break some news? Nah, you know what? Kind of, I'm, not, <laughs> come on. I'm gonna save that as my ticket to come back oh, on the show. All right. <laughs> <How's that? laughs> okay. But all thank right. you both. I, I've really yeah, enjoyed the conversation. You. Yep. Time will spend. Well, we just want to thank Clarence Mingo again for coming in and talking to us today. And let's not forget, Clarence, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, so people can reach me by way of email, ClarenceMingo at me dot com. Clarence Mingo at me.com, of course, Facebook or Twitter, and would love to converse with you about all things in life. Thanks again for tuning in. Don't forget, we love to hear from our listeners. So check us out on our Facebook page at Facebook slash group slash Other Side Podcast, or hit us up on Twitter at Other Side underscore POD. And don't forget, you can always email us at Other Side Mailbox at gmail.com. So until the next time, try to see things from the other side. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.